Ministry Mentorship, Episode 31. Hello and welcome to this episode of Ministry Mentorship. This is Jacob Tapia and you're listening to a podcast dedicated to connecting apostolic leaders with young ministers for the purpose of helping them develop in their ministry. Before we get started, I'd like to remind you to check out our recent live Bible study with special guest Rachel Calthorp from Chicago, Illinois. She talked about relationships from a biblical perspective, and I know it will be a great help to you. And You can go to the website, uh, it's under our resources link, or you can go to uh, the direct link, which is ministrymentorship.com backslash Bible dash study, and you can find out more about this in our future Uh, live Bible studies. Our next Bible study is going to be on February 25th, and our speaker is going to be Micah Wisdom. He's going to be talking about developing character in our lives and our ministries, and uh, I know you want to check that out. We'd love to hear from you if you have an idea or a, a testimony of how ministry mentorship has helped you and encouraged you, and you can send that to admin at ministrymentorship.com. That's admin at ministrymentorship.com. In this episode, we're going to be talking with Pastor Norman Pasley. Brother Pasley is the pastor of Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio, where he has served faithfully for over 50 years. Brother Pasley loves young ministers, and he's deeply committed to seeing growth and revival in the apostolic movement. He has served in the kingdom of God in many capacities throughout the years, and I know you're going to be blessed by his godly example of servanthood and and love for people. Let's join the conversation now. Okay, we're here today with Brother Norman Pasley. He is from Cincinnati, Ohio, and he's a tremendous minister, and he he loves young people. Brother Pasley, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Jacob. It's an honor to be with you. Now tell us a little bit about yourself and and about uh, just kind of your background. Mom and Dad were ministers in the early days of Pentecost, actually accepted their call and were in active ministry in the 1930s, and um, were at the merger to bring the United Pentecostal Church into uh, its beginnings, so I'm very proud of that mm-hmm. legacy, both of them ordained over 60 years. I came along as a crowning achievement to their union. Uh, kind of the Isaac born to Abraham and Sarah, their late-in-life addition. And uh, we were in Cincinnati, Ohio, where I have lived uh, all my life, except for when I went to school. Uh, I was fortunate to receive the Holy Ghost um, when I was six years old, so I'll I'll turn 50 in Jesus this coming spring, and that's been a great experience. Uh, grew up in, uh, you know, that double PK status, so I got it from both sides. And um, felt the drawing of the Lord to do something. Wasn't sure and had the normal resistance of, well, I don't want to do anything just because people assume I will. Mm-hmm. And uh, my parents were very uh, wonderful to not pressure me in any of that, just to see God's will, whatever that would be. Um, but I... Um, finally acknowledged that my senior year of high school. Prior to that, I had given God a lot of other options from 
a medicine to um, a law to um, a military chaplain, you know, getting a little mm. closer. I just couldn't say the word preach or <laughs> preacher. Couldn't do it. I'd just lock up with, you know. Um, but when I finally had a moment with the Lord in December of 1974, it put me on a wonderful path. And uh, I went to Apostolic Bible Institute that the fall of 75 and just recently celebrated 35 years at the church there in Cincinnati, um, having been there my entire uh, ministry. Wow. One amazing wife, four anointed, expensive daughters, <laughs> and seven more anointed and more expensive granddaughters. Mm. And there's another one en route whose gender is yet to be revealed. Mm. So life is very good, and one amazing dog, Trey the Wonder Dog, the son I never had. So <laughs> life is good. I'm blessed beyond measure. You know, I was talking to my grandma today, and uh, I said, yeah, I'm going to do an interview with, with Norman Pasley. She's like, oh, she said, I, know, I knew his parents. Wow. She said that uh, evidently they sang and ministered in song quite a yeah. bit. She remembered that they had... She played the, your mom must play the accordion, is That's that right? That's right. Dad, stand-up bass. Okay. That's right. Okay. They were big time in Illinois. Yeah. That was his uh, home district. Did you sing with them? Now, I know you sang with ABI. I did. I, I sang with uh, mom, basically, sometimes. I, they put me on a little step stool, and uh, otherwise I would have been, you know, behind the pulpit, literally. And then they took the legs off. And then, in, to quote my dad, then he started to stand on a stool because I got <laughs> taller than he. But uh, it, it just, that was the culture I grew up mm. in. And um, I have certainly no regrets as to uh, making that my life. And uh, I, I know this. I've, I've gone to a couple of high school reunions. And, boy, at, at the end of the day, to be able to feel like your life made a difference in uh, eternal terms is something very extraordinary and something that you, you want to pursue. The life's got to be more than some W-2s and maybe some change of address, but to be involved in the work of the Lord in whatever capacity that is, however God has touched your life and is directing your steps to follow that, we'll see you really live this life and life more abundantly. And I'm, I'm very, very thankful and humbled for the chance to have served over these years. You had mentioned that you've been in the same community and same area for many years, uh, and that's 50 years, correct? Pretty much, yes, area. sir. Okay. Did you ever think that you'd still be there? I, I can't say I ever had a sense that it was... Uh, a temporary assignment. I came with the attitude I would be there till Jesus comes. I was open to some other venues and had some opportunities, but never felt that release. So, you know, it's kind of tough to be at the same place uh, the whole time, if you will, in some ways, and yet very rewarding because I have relationships that are four and five generation deep. And uh, to make an investment of of my whole life there, there's a great advantage to just sticking around to see 
uh, to see it come to fruition. And, you know, where God may put us somewhere temporarily, I don't think we need to approach it with a temporary mindset. I think we need to sell out. And as long as I'm here, I'm giving it everything. This isn't just a means to an end. Um, because I, I feel that uh, focus and that uh, fervency is so important for effectiveness. If you're just there and this is just part of a career path or whatever, I, I think you cheat yourself out of uh, the real reward and anointing God can give you for that local assignment, if you will. It seems like the a lot of the guys that I meet now or the young people that I come in contact with it's the ministry. The early years is very fluid. It's very moving, and and mm. y- even in the culture we have nowadays with so much change and movement. What do you tell a young person right now? Maybe they've been a couple places. Maybe they're not where they're where they grew up, or maybe they went to Bible school and and now they're in a different position, or maybe they feel like they're going to move. Or what do you tell them in that that kind of transitional weird phase? And, and that's a great question. Uh, Jacob, to to acknowledge the fact that that is the majority versus the exception, really, now. So wherever the Lord has put you, um, if he has another door, if he has another assignment down the road, he will relocate you or reassign you with the same clarity and the same surety. I don't think we should ever move because we feel just a uh, pressure or even just an opportunity. Is this really what God wants me to have? We need to process it in, in uh, the context of, of his will for my life, which he's not going to withhold. You know, this is not some great mystery. There are so few people who really say, God, order my steps. So few people are willing to acknowledge him in all their ways. God is really anxious and willing and committed to that direction and to that sure sense of assignment. So wherever you are, you know, you pour yourself into it. And yet, you know, it's, and Lord, I'm, I'm going to be here and do this until you tell me to go somewhere else and do something different. But to um, never presume too that, well, this is the end and uh, there's nothing beyond this. I, I'm at a stage of life in ministry. I, somewhat transitional from uh, my assignment there at the local church to see the next man on deck and and what have you. So you never outgrow that um, desire or that necessity of being in the will of God and God sharing his purpose for your life. So I feel good about it. You know, he's he's helped me to navigate uh, to where I'm at, and he knows the future. That's the great thing. Mm. We're serving a God who knows the future. So I have learned to to not ask in the sense of, I really need to know what the next five years are. I, I really, ooh, I, I wouldn't do that if I were you because you're not ready for the next five years. And if he told you, it'd blow you out of the water and you'd, you'd make uh, Jonah look like a Medal of Honor winner or something, you know. <laughs> Just hang in there and take it a, a season at a time, and the Lord will certainly make his way known to you. He absolutely will. Amen. Let's talk about your, your dad. You've talked a little bit in some of your messages that I've heard, and you, you've, you've talked about how he had such an influence in your life and the, the impact that he had 
made upon you. Uh, talk a little bit about that and share some of those things that he placed in your life. Well, and um, his role um, in my foundation and formation cannot be overstated, really. I was very, very blessed uh, to have that kind of a dad. You know, prayer was an integral part of every day. Someone was praying at the foot of my bed when I went to sleep, and then before we went to school every day, we had a time together. He took that Deuteronomy 6 thing very literally, and uh, before there was even junior Bible quizzing, he, I memorized about 250 verses of our key doctrine hmm. just sitting over breakfast with my dad. We, he had this notebook with graph paper, and I, he'd put an X you know, he'd fill in one of those squares every time I said the verse. And when I got to the end of the line, I got a quarter. <laughs> well, dude, a quarter in the 60s, you could shop all day, you know. So it was, it was measurable, it was rewardable, and it was consistent. And then we'd have a time of prayer. And it wasn't just a, Lord help Norman not forget how to get to school today. He would call down the thunder and uh, just set this model of his God-given authority to ask God to be very real and very impacting in my life. And then uh, when I went away to school, uh, he was very clear to make sure that he was a steward in my life, not an owner of my ministry or whatever. And really uh, was um, open to me being on the altar, if he, he would describe it as, you know, like Abraham put Isaac on the altar. Well, that was kind of a disturbing image. I'm going, <laughs> well, if he shows up with a knife, we're going to have to have a conversation, you know. Yeah. But he would always say, that's the safest place you could be, Norman, is mm -hmm. on the altar. Yeah. And uh, so I always knew his integrity would never be manipulative. And uh, he would always defer to what God wanted from me. But he gave over the whole idea of being popular uh, because he wanted to be effective. So he was a courageous parent, a courageous leader. He did what needed to be done, said what I needed to hear, not what I wanted to hear. And then just as a uh, leader, I was able to work with him and for him for almost 25 years uh, before he passed away. And to see his um, amazing um, tenderness and kindness to people. He was uh, a man who would die for the truth, but he was um, not combative. He was not uh, a man who uh, exercised authority as a lord over God's heritage. He was a servant. He was very committed to helping others find their place in the kingdom. And thankfully, I believe that's in my DNA to, to make that investment in the next generation. He was not afraid of great young ministries that were coming. He was uh, thrilled by it. He opened the door for him. He, like the guy who, who opens the ropes so the, the boxer can get in the ring. That's what he would do because, you know, ministry is kind of a challenge. If you don't know somebody or you're not uh, in, the, in a family or something, it might, it might be kind of hard to make that transition. How do you get in? And, boy, he really committed himself to that. It was almost 40 years ago he began a thing called Jonathan Ministries, which was to very intentionally invest and encourage young men and women who were finding their way and discovering their calling. So these were all very compelling examples. He could hear from God for the church very clearly. That was powerful. 
and something that gives me confidence as I try to serve the church he founded back in the 60s. And uh, then was just an amazing dad, you know, gave me all that confidence and love. And uh, I just thank God for him every day Hmm. and his influence in my life. Who are some of the other people that you feel like have been mentors in your life? I definitely have a Mount Rushmore of my life. S.G. Norris, the president of the school I went to, the college, he really challenged me, helped me grow up, made me uh, really imparted that love and veracity to study and prepare the Word of God. Hugh Rose of Harvest Time fame was my youth president when I was a kid, and uh, he just made me uh, convinced that being large and in charge was a cool thing, <laughs> and loud was a measure of anointing, you know, and so I certainly pursued that. And then uh, Jim Burton was a retired missionary, uh, spent over 40 years in South America, and he and his sweet wife pretty much took over Venezuela for the United Pentecostal Church. He was an amazing mentor and resource, just by example, uh, by his uh, authority. You know, he spoke as one that had authority, not because he demanded it, he just had it, you know. So these men were were very influential in my formation of uh, ministry and effectiveness in leading and serving. Of course, mom was huge. You know, I, I think a lot of young people, and, and myself included, look upon that as a as a real blessing to someone like yourself, and then also with a little bit of envy, saying, you know, mm. you know, my parents didn't grow up uh, being preachers or ministers, and so talk to us a little bit about how a young person can connect and and develop those kind of relationships with mentors. Th- that's such an important point. We sure don't want people thinking that you have to be born into this thing. It's not a family business, you know, where somebody just hands you the keys. And yet at the same time, I do believe that there is divine partnership for everyone, for the called that are beginning the ministry and for those who are in the ministry. So my prayer is on both ends of that, that those who are currently involved will have a vision beyond themselves. And we'll look to see who God is putting his hand on. And we'll make that effort to reach out and to make that connection. And I pray for young men and women who will uh, be led in those kind of ways. And God will open those doors where they can trust someone with that, I feel like God wants me to conversation. I, I can't say there's an actual formula for it. But I do believe with all my heart that if we'll pray to that end, God will facilitate it. He'll facilitate a a rendezvous, a moment. It may be very unexpected. It may be something that kind of takes you by surprise. But God knows when and where and who. uh, uh, Because it's it's just the model, I believe, of the Scripture, that, that Barnabas model, where somebody helps a young zealot find his way, where... Jonathan looked at David and said, you will be the next king. You know, there's a got to be a vision of the kingdom beyond myself, beyond my involvement, beyond my tenure. Uh, that's the very exciting thing for me. It, there needs to be a cultural change within our organization. We're, we're good at events. It's kind of our 
history, you know, the day of Pentecost and uh, the mantle service was life changing, but it's got to be more than a service. It's got to become part of the culture of what am I doing to enable the next generation to do it better, to go to the next level, to realize greater anointing, greater results, not feel threatened by it, but celebrate it. And, and I do see that happening. I do. I want young people to be encouraged. I don't want them to feel like, man, I'm on the outside looking in. And I don't have a voice. I don't have an advocate. I believe God will direct you to someone. And obviously your, your local pastor is that, that initial contact, that first point of direction and submission, which is so important to uh, effectively navigating uh, where you are to where you want to be in God. I think it's easy to underestimate, I guess I would say, the day-to-day, Sunday-to-Sunday experience. Mm-hmm. And especially as young ministers, we look, like you said, that five, ten year, we start looking down the road and what am I going to be you know, five years from now and I want to be preaching this or I want to be ministering here. And sometimes we forget that Sunday-to-Sunday touch with, with the leadership that we have and the investment that they're making in our lives. And, Brother Pastor, you think you could say now, looking back, that you you were, I guess, being developed even though you didn't even maybe feel that or sense that. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think that's what the Scripture tells us, that the events of our life, they may seem like train wrecks. They may seem like absolute detours, but not to God. God's bigger than that. Peter was given the keys to the kingdom. We can define that in a lot of ways, certainly as doctrine, certainly um, breaking down barriers of race and ethnicity or whatever. I think another key to the kingdom is to realize that you can't fail to a point that disqualifies you. I mean, talk about an epic fail when some little girl over an open fire gets you to just deny the Lord and go completely weak and curse and deny him. And so what does Jesus do? Well, he shows up on the shore fixing fish for the guy who basically quit. He basically said, I'm done. I'm toast. Stick a fork in me. I go with fishing. So here's the deal. You know, the gifts and calling of God, they never reverse. They're without repentance. So absolutely. And... Two of my dad's favorite scriptures are, are, were, despise not the day of small things. That's so important, you know, the, the, the growth process, the growth process, the incremental assignments and responsibilities and venues and voices. They're important, but also to uh, understand that they're going to work as part of a greater picture that produces a great result. And then he told Timothy, despise not thy youth. Don't think that is a big liability, because it's not. So it all does work in his master plan and toward his greater purpose, and I'm confident in that. And so wherever they are, it's going to be part of God's plan and purpose. Uh, Talk to us a little bit about some advice, and and what what advice can you give to a young person that feels a call to ministry? It's a uh, tremendous honor to have the God of the universe say, you know, I want to partner with you. 
I've put in you gifts and abilities. I see the future, and you're a part of it. And uh, to never run from that, to never feel like it'll cost you anything. Um, not in the big picture. Scripture's filled of examples of people who, who hesitated or declined or whatever the case may be. Hopefully we see from their example, um, your arms are too short to fight with God. And uh, in this day that is driven by uh, financial security or whatever the case may be, uh, to, to be willing to cast your future into the hands of the Lord is not a fearful thing. To deny God's purpose and to resist God's call, that should keep you awake at night. That should see you get up in a cold sweat of what am I thinking? Because God does all things well. And this is the time, man. Are you kidding me? You're going to be a part of the greatest revival the world has ever seen where billions of people are going to be impacted by the gospel before Jesus comes. I've got to believe that. Mm -hmm. And we have the message for it. We have growing uh, resources of technology and opportunities. And, And so, young men and women now, if you feel that way, boy, you submit everything to that. doesn't mean you, you pull the plug on anything. Now, th- this is something I'm very passionate about. If God doesn't give you clear redirection or whatever, and you're going to school or whatever, stay in school. Keep doing what you're doing. It's easier to direct a car that's in motion than a car that's standing mm. still. That's good. So to be faithful in your service, well, I don't believe I'm going to always just teach this Bible school or by Sunday school class or whatever. Yeah, I agree with that. But, you know, you have to be faithful in the few things. It's your proving ground. And to hit a home run, if there's no one in the stands, that's okay. Because whenever you do find yourself in the game, you'll wish you'd had more time to prepare. You'll wish you'd had uh, longer to get ready because it, it's kind of overwhelming at first. So the longer the Lord gives you to prepare and the longer uh, he invests in you, uh, to bring you to those strategic moments, those rendezvous, those days that change the rest of your days. And I would also say that the preparation process is forever. Isaiah 54 was my dad's favorite scripture, and he really passed that down, the compelling image of the smith, that God has created the blacksmith that bloweth the coals in the fire to bringeth forth an instrument for his work. It's quite an image, pounding, sparks, hammers, metal, heat. Doesn't look very pleasant, but it's, it's something because God is making us, God is shaping us. And uh, seemingly the downtime, which may be very intense and, and very unpleasant, is to make us pliable and shapeable to make us usable. So thank God for that opportunity. Don't say, no, God's not talking to me. He wouldn't talk to me. Look where I'm from. Look at my family. Well, that was my dad's story. He was Mm -hmm. just a a farmer. Um, His grandparents were very involved in a very denominational structure. No one knew anything about Pentecost. And he, he went to church with a buddy to help him win a Bible. And it changed the next five generations, you know. So it can start with you. Yeah. You can be the first to bring ministry 
for generations to come. So thank God for it, and uh, don't be afraid. Uh, I am believing that our greatest preachers, our greatest resources, our greatest servants are yet to be discovered. And I believe in them and what they're going to do for the church between now and when Jesus comes. Amen. Let's take a minute. I wonder if you could just say a prayer uh, for that young person right now that is feeling that tug. And while you've been talking, they're they're saying, you know, that's me. That I'm I'm that one. I I feel like God's leading me. Uh, and and maybe they've got something in mind already. I want just pray for them and and that God will give them the the strength and the courage to to become what He's asking them to to be. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day. I thank you for those that are hearing these words, those that are pursuing your voice, your direction for their life. I pray, Lord, that you'll come alongside right now with the sure confidence, with the assurance of your presence, that, Lord, our steps are ordered of the Lord, that we are not left just to try to make opportunity. Or This is not a model of climbing the corporate ladder. It's a matter of service. And you are the Lord of the harvest. Your word is very clear that you exalt and you set up and you promote. Those things come from your hand, Lord. So help us not to be frustrated with the process. Help us not to be impatient with your purpose. But help us to be confident in it and to believe that we are moving forward, that you have not left us in just an abyss without a absolute goal and objective in mind that wherever we are whatever's happening you're like that blacksmith he knows what he's making so everything that happens is with that in mind we ask it in jesus name bring peace and assurance to the heart of the wonderful young men and women that will join this the ranks of the great servants of god who have brought eternity to humanity we ask it in jesus name amen Amen. Brother Pasley, thank you so much for joining us today, and it's, it's been an honor to have you with us. Thank you. I was very blessed and so proud of what you're doing, Jacob. This is a project of epic proportions. So God bless you and all that you do. Thank you. You've been listening to a ministry mentorship podcast with Jacob Tapia. Find out more about this resource by going to ministrymentorship.com where you'll find more interviews, inspirational quotes, and other resources to help you develop in your ministry. Thanks for listening, and God bless.